0: Dr. Alexia Chakiris was a guest on episode eight, which aired on April 11th, 2020. There we covered her upbringing, veterinary education, work experience, and practice life. In addition to her clinical work, Alexia offers coaching services for veterinarians and is forming a women's veterinary collective. Today, we talk about the events that led her to recognize that she was experiencing burnout, the strategies she used to get past those rough patches, and her philosophy behind coaching and offering a space for female veterinarians to have a community where they can gather, share, and support one another. I'm a big believer in coaching and wellness support, so I'm happy to be able to share this conversation with Alexia with you. Alexia, thanks for your time today.
1: Thank you for having me. I had to go back and look, but
0: you were you were originally on episode eight, which Ooh. was uh, April 11th last year. So um, we won't go much into your backstory because we all, we. Covered that, I think, think pretty well there. So, if you could just tell, just kind of catch us up to speed on where you're at in practice right now.
1: Right now, due to, you know, pandemic action, I'm still in practice, but I did cut my in office hours. So, my practice is still exclusively holistic. I'm in the office twice a week now, but now I have started to do some phone consults for clients who don't want to be going anywhere essentially, which has actually been pretty fun. So,
0: so when you're in the office, do the clients come in or do they stay outside? No, they stay in
1: the parking lot and we bring the pets in. I do a lot of talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. We take a lot of pictures. I keep saying I'm going to get a baby monitor to hand to people, but then like people would be touching it. So, Um, (laughs) so they can like watch us from in the room. I've thought about doing zoom. I FaceTimed with a few. I like it. I think most of my patients are also very much more relaxed. Good.
0: Um okay. So uh, <clears throat> we want to talk about your coaching and your uh let's call it your women's initiative today. Um uh, first, if you don't mind, I looked at your website and there were kind of three instances where you've mentioned in your education and career where you had some some struggles, I guess. So if you wouldn't mind if we could kind of go through those, that would kind of get us hopefully closer to where you are right now. but totally. You, all right, so you talked about kind of burnout in vet school. so so what happened there?
1: Burnout in vet school, but vet school burnt me to a crisp. I graduated, I came home and I didn't I didn't take my boards when I was in vet school. Um, I came home to take them and, at that point i decided i was going to study and i worked with my family doing real estate uh, management in new york city because i just the pressure from vet school had just pushed me down to a place that i was not confident i wasn't strong and i needed i needed some time to like build myself back up again
0: School's good for that, isn't it? For
1: It's fantastic for that. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna tell you how much you don't know, how you're going nowhere, and you're gonna do horrible things, and so you better learn everything.
0: Yeah. I think about that, plus the you know, with the newer students, the debt, I just can't imagine the extra pressure. Exactly.
1: That exactly.
0: This this the second thing you mentioned was that you'd gotten into practice about five years and you experienced some burnout. So what happened there?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it it actually occurred a little bit sooner. I was working at a specialty hospital in Connecticut, my second year in practice. And about probably like nine months in, I went to my chief of staff and I was like, I can't work this much anymore. And so we ended up cutting my hours down because I was just, I was so unhappy. I was miserable. Um, and so we did, we cut my hours down, but then my grandmother passed away. My dog passed away and I went back. They literally had to call me and say, you have to come back to work. And I was like, I can't do it. And I went back for a month and then I quit. That was it. And then I moved back to New Jersey
0: so the reduction in hours wasn't really a. I mean that it wasn't it was a not care. enough.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: I yeah. mean, you had did you have a plan in place of what you were going to do when with that, you know, being just did you think just being away was enough, or was there That's something what else? I
1: thought right, like I thought just having some more time, not in the practice, would do it, and then kind of the same. I had to repeat the lesson a few times to really learn it, right? So I had to ultimately learn because then it happened again, um, like, yeah, another three or four years after that. And I took a month off at that point. And it was then that I realized that just taking time away is not going to solve my problem of being unhappy Super stressed, feeling like I don't have enough time, having no patience with my children, and just general burnout unhappiness, and my body was starting to freak out as well.
0: I imagine a lot of people think that's the that's a solution. It's just to mm-hmm. have the time. But man, I think you gotta have a strategy.
1: Yeah. You know. Definitely.
0: So you changed your practice, you changed your life a bit. So, what extra things did you add in to help you with that? I, I think that's pretty important. What you said about, you know, most people I think push through and say, "Okay, when I'm get to be an so, you know, get to be an owner, and then maybe when I get to retire, I'm going to just going to push and push and push until I retire." But that doesn't work, or at least not now. I don't think.
1: No, it like it definitely doesn't work. And obviously I'm a slow learner and it took me a few episodes to realize that. And I had to realize that I had to start with listening to my body and my body was telling me I was going about things the wrong way. I had nothing for myself and I was giving out of the proverbial empty cup. So I had to, I had to, I can't even say relearn, maybe as like children, we learned that we need to take care of ourselves and put ourselves first, right? So that then we have something to give. I had to relearn that lesson, essentially. And I still have to remind myself of that, that I need to fill my cup so that I have something to give my children. I have something to give at the office because when I'm coming in fully depleted and have nothing to give, then I'm not a good vet, I'm not a good friend, I'm not a good mother, I'm not a good wife. I need to take care of myself, which it can be a really tough lesson to learn because I think we're all taught that taking care of yourself is selfish, in our society at least.
0: Yeah, agreed. So so what things did you do?
1: So I started to, first I had to recognize where in my day were things not working? And so the morning definitely was a very big stressor for me because it was wake up. And I haven't always been a morning person. You can ask my husband, my sisters, you know, anyone who's ever lived with me. Um, I had to learn that waking up, being stressed, rushing, and trying to get everybody out of the door is not the way to start my day because it sets the tone for the day ultimately. So I had to find the courage to wake up an hour early, which meant I essentially had to go to bed an hour early. Um, But I have to wake up earlier so I can have some time where I'm alone. I can drink my coffee I can read a book, I can journal, I can stare out the window, whatever it is that I need that morning. That's what I need to do so that then when everybody else is awake and we're starting to do things and get things going, I've already set the tone of I'm calm, I'm good, I've had time to drink my coffee, I'm not rushed.
0: What sort of things are you doing outside of work? I mean, besides preparing for your day like that, what are, what are the things? I know you've done the yoga thing.
1: I did the yoga thing. So I still do yeah. the yoga thing. Yeah. Um, my My mom and I, God, now, eight years ago now, started taking pottery classes. And so then a few years ago, she bought a few wheels and had them at her house. And again, since pandemic and we're all not hanging out as much as we used to, She gave me two wheels. So I get to play with clay, which is a beautiful thing. I've also learned the joy of taking my dog for a walk as a vet. Sorry. I never, I always had a backyard. I've been blessed in that way. And so my dogs always were able to go outside and play in the backyard. And now I've learned that for Lulu and myself going for a nice walk, um, even like we have this little tiny woods area that's a short car ride away just getting in to nature surround myself myself with trees and the earth and not hearing noises from cars also has been very nice and grounding took some art classes mixing it up
0: nice All right. So let's talk about what you're doing for other veterinarians now.
1: So, what I'm doing for other vets now is sharing my story, sharing my experience, and helping them to find where they need to recreate um, alignment in their life so that they can then be happy at home, be happy at work. And it's not to say we're always going to be happy all the time, but we want to feel. I don't want anybody to ever feel that burnt out feeling, that feeling of I can't do this anymore. And so I feel like I've been through it enough that now I can help you to identify where is it that you're struggling in your life and get clear about how do you want to feel on a daily basis? And what do you need to do to feel those feelings? And sometimes it's just a matter of having that support system outside of whatever your current support system is and and having someone who understands and has been through the same struggles so that um, you don't feel alone. Because a lot of the time I feel like it's this thing of, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. It's just me because not everybody's talking about it. And then, like we were saying, you just kind of keep going.
0: I've had a client who's a veterinarian. They come in the other day and they have a young associate who's been in the practice for a year, just out of school. And, you know, even though she was having regular mentoring sessions, all of a sudden now doesn't want to be in clinical practice. You think, mm-hmm. you know, I guess that, that happens, but, you know, with all of a sudden she's kept that bottled up for who knows how long. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, maybe it's uh, a situation where she didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone at the practice because that's where she works. But I mean, she, it's just, I think it's critical that everybody have somebody, whether it's within the practice or some sort of coach or, um. Uh, someone they can work with to help with that stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so important. And I know for myself, I didn't know where to turn to, to get that guidance and, and help me really get clear on things. And honestly, it did start with a coach who had no idea about veterinary medicine. And I learned so much from working with her and I've worked with other coaches since, but I did find that there would be certain situations where, you know, let's say there would be a call and it would be in the middle of the day. And I was like, guys, I work, I have a practice. I can't, you know, just drop things to get on a call. And so there are little nuances that it's nice to have someone who understands the way the profession is at this point.
0: I think it's interesting, you know, the idea that it's there's probably two two sides to that, having a coach who's not in the in the industry. Yes, they don't understand that you're seeing patients and can't drop everything in the middle of the day, but I bet it's pretty refreshing to hear things from someone outside the industry that, you know, we think we're pretty special and we're not, you know, if in some instances we're not.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. And and it's that thing of you can't see. You can't see solutions to a problem if you can't see that there's a problem, right? So, why couldn't I block off an hour in the middle of the day to get onto a call? Shouldn't be a yeah. problem, right? Like yeah. why not? Why can't we do that? We've been to- like we practice medicine how we practice medicine, right? And this is the way we've always done it and this is the way we do it. Well, maybe we need to now sit back and say this isn't the way. And I don't know what the new way may look like, but that's also where coming together and sharing our stories and experiences, we can say, this isn't working. And maybe someone out there has changed it somehow, right? And we can say, oh, that's a great idea. Maybe let's try that. Or we start there. We've all worked in group projects, right? Like you start and then someone else has an idea and then someone has a light bulb moment so it is that thing of how can we start to make some changes and you make a great point that having someone outside can help to open your eyes to things where before this is just the way you do it and why would we do it any different
0: oh yeah i um I was a work study student in school and I worked with someone in, in preventive medicine and they were involved with one of the first studies of the health and welfare of female veterinarians and a lot of drugs and a lot of drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, that's probably, that's just the way we did it, you know, and I imagine that still persists a lot of trying to escape from the pressure without really looking at what can, yeah, why, why do we have to keep doing it the way we've always done it?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly.
0: So you're offering group coaching, one-on-one coaching, yes to both, what?
1: So mostly one-on-one, but I am starting a collective so that we can, you know, so that more people can come into the conversation so that we can actually get to know each other On a personal level, because I also feel I've met other women vets at different conferences, um, but I've really not been able to get to know many of them, you know, maybe one, two or three here and there. But I think if we could really get to know one another on a personal level, and especially in like a local region where we're not seeing each other's competition, we're here as women as veterinarians to support each other and and we don't have to see it as oh I can't really become friends with you because like we work at competing practices. Can we see it as a I know her on a personal level, she's great and she's a fantastic vet and I love that about her and we can share our stories and we kind of get rid of that competition component of things. And I think that by bringing everybody together and getting to know each other, we can then start to share where we're struggling. We can share where we're thriving and, and really look at how are we spending our time? How do we want to spend our time? And, and how can we grow as individuals to then grow as a collective and within veterinary medicine to make the profession thrive again, because I feel like we're on this path of a downward spiral of chronic burnout, depression. And I mean, we all know about the suicide rate. So my goal is that I can, that we can come together in a collective in a safe space, share our stories and, And really see where we need support. And then as a collective provide the support, I'd like to bring in guest speakers, um, offer breath work, offer yoga. And honestly, for everybody local, offer a morning coffee group, right? Like maybe it looks like in the spring, in the summer, but can we get together together? And, and not talk about just veterinary medicine, or maybe we don't talk about veterinary medicine at all, but have this supportive network so that we can, A, hold each other accountable for when I say, I'm not he- happy here, this is what I want to change, and everybody supports you and is there for you. And then also, hopefully together, we can say like, hey, why aren't you getting a lunch break? Why aren't you getting time in the middle of the day? Why are you staying two hours later and making phone calls? Um, Really start to identify where we don't like how practice is going and slowly, individually start to create change that hopefully ripples out to other practices.
0: With the women that you talk to, um, can give me a sense of, uh, are, are most happy in their, in their practice situation or do most people have a sense that they're of of unease with the, is it the practice their um, uh, the type of practice, the way the practice is run or they're, you know, is it something else? What, what's a, what's the big point of frustration?
1: It's everything. And that's where I start to, I start to look at it as you have to look at it from a holistic point of view, right? We have to look at it from, it's not just my boss is a jerk. Well, why is your boss a jerk? Why is your boss making you work through lunch? Why don't you deserve a lunch? Why are clients so demanding? Um, you know, there's so many different aspects and so many different pieces of the puzzle that that have to be looked at and that's also where having that outside perspective of saying well maybe how's this going and then you can further identify where you're unhappy but i think it's i, I think it's a bit of everything to be quite honest with you and it's how do we get even further to the root of why certain things are going the way that they're going.
0: I feel like I, I went if,
1: in a really roundabout different direction with that. No,
0: no. I wonder if corporatization and, and more doctors being employees rather than striving for ownership is better or worse for most I know.
1: People. And, you know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about it this morning, and I was like, why – This is a conversation that I do want to have with more vets in general, not just women, but more vets in general of why don't you want to own a practice? Is it this like undertone that I'm going to take a step back now and say, as women, we've essentially been told that you're not good with money. You can't handle this. You have a family you can't have a family and a business. That's not the way life is. Is it like these underlying stories we've been told that are there telling us, "Oh no, 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 you can't do this," and so you know, is it is it that, and that's why we don't want to own practices and corporations are taking over, um, and with corporate takeover, are they going to be more? open to seeing the need for a work-life, you know, quote-unquote balance. I don't know. Like, I think corporate takeover is you go, you do your job, and you come home. That's yeah. what it is in my head. I don't know. I wonder,
0: yeah, at least in my area here, there's certainly a labor shortage as far as veterinarians go, and maybe that's going to force the hand of a of corporate ownership to be more responsible about taking care of their people.
1: Hmm. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, do you either take care of your people and keep them or do you lose them and, you know, struggle, struggles, you know, be short staffed for what if some practices have been for years trying to get, yeah. to attract a, a veterinarian yeah. into the business.
1: But I, I mean, and, and just in talking about that, like I see in my practice we have, we have a lunch hour. We have, we actually have an hour and a half blocked off because you know that that appointment right before lunch is going to go over. Right. And we have a spot kind of in the middle of the afternoon where maybe it's homage to my British veterinary university study. Um, But like taking a little break in the middle of the afternoon and, and I, see, I see practices who are constantly going through vets, constantly going through technicians, or like you said, are sh- shorthanded. And a lot of these practices are not actually sitting back and looking at why are people leaving. And I think something as simple as saying you are worth getting a lunch break is huge. Yeah. So there's little, you know, like, it, I don't think... I don't, I think if corporations were smart, they will start to look at what do, what do their employees really need so that they have something to give.
0: I think you know, our practices are similar in that we're solo and, and I see that I think about what a group practice in a traditional setting would look like. And, um, yes, Telling people they're worth having a lunch for sure and thinking, taking care of them personally that way. And I think professionally, you know, we in private practice, a lot of people point fingers and say how inefficient the university model is. But I certainly look back and think how as a student and as a re- intern and resident, how much um, professional growth I got out of just rounds every day. Yeah, and I'm sure what rounds look like in a in a traditional 2021 small animal practice, for instance, are probably uh, you know they're miles away from the the type of thing I'm thinking about and what it would be to encourage professional growth in in camaraderie, even professional camaraderie in a in a group of veterinarians. And the, they're probably so busy by the time by the time they hit the front door that there's you know if there is an even time for lunch, what's that spent doing and Mm-hmm. And how do you encourage? I mean, I, I think if, if I'm reading you correctly, I mean, you didn't needed that sort of change in your professional life to give you the satisfaction that you were looking for, you know. Yeah. And not necessarily everyone has to convert to our sort of practice, but you know, you take an interest in dermatology, or you know, you go after that special thing that you're interested in, and that's what keeps you going for for the long term.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it's. It's like you said. I mean, it's true. I remember when I was totally conventional and then integrative. I I really loved having someone else there that I could say, "This is can can you come listen to this heart." Am I hearing what I'm hearing? Um, it is nice to have that that support, right? But it's also nice to have that ability to go and specialize in whatever it is. That you love, like what interests you go and follow it. Because I think also as vets, we tend to fall into this thing. I can't think of a word for it of you have to be able to do everything and you have to be good at everything where it would be so nice to be able to sit back and say, you love DERM go and do it. You can have all of my skin cases. I don't have to do all of the dermatology. I don't have to do all of the surgery. I don't have to do oncology. Um, because I think that in itself also feeds to the stress of not having support as a new vet, even as an older vet of, I have this strange case and you go to turn to someone. I mean, I'll still talk through my cases with my technicians. There's not another doctor in there with me. I'm like, guys, this is what I'm thinking, you know, and I just have to talk out loud. Sometimes you have to talk out loud to talk through things. And if we had a group to talk out loud to each other, to talk through things, I think it would be great.
0: (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. Can't argue with that. All right. Anything I should have asked you, but didn't?
1: I think we covered it. I talked in many circles.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the takeaways are start now, get a coach, take care of yourself. Totally. Yeah. Take care
1: of yourself. (laughs) Taking care of yourself is not selfish. And then everything else will flourish from there. I've created this great, like, forest analogy in my head about it.
0: Yeah. It's that old thing about uh, put, put your own oxygen mask on before you help the person next to
1: you, kind of thing. It is. It really is. It's cliche, but it's true. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well,
1: hey, thanks for talking. Thanks for having me.
0: Best of luck with the uh, the initiative.
1: Thank oh, you very you, much.
0: Can you pronounce the Greek word for me? Kefi. That's a, say it again. Kefi collective. All right. Kefi. I I I leaned on my Greek technician, and she wasn't positive on. Uh, ah,
1: the, so the Kefi is that. like joy. Kefi is what you have. Like I think of Kefi when. You're at, sorry, I have to like totally bring it Greek and bring it back around. But like Kefi is when you're at a Greek wedding or any wedding and everybody's like on the dance floor and super excited and having a great time and loving life. That's Kefi. And then the collective is currently the Women's Veterinary Collective.
0: All right. And where can people look to uh, find find out more about those?
1: They can go to either my website, alexiachakiris.com or go to uh, womensveterinarycollective.com.
0: Good. I'll put those in the notes so people can just access them
1: there. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Talk Thanks to you soon. Thanks for
1: having me, Neil. We'll talk You're soon, welcome. definitely. Okay. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.
0: This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.